Hi, this is Alaska Reed, and you're listening to Song Miner. Today's guest is Lauren Mayberry. Lauren is the front woman of the band Churches, and alongside that, she's just recently launched her solo project. That being said, please check out her latest single, Shame. Funny enough, Lauren and I recorded this conversation before she asked me to do some last-minute support sets for her, one in San Francisco and one in L.A. at the Troubadour. I got the call the night before, hopped on a plane, played the San Francisco show at August Hall, and got to ride back with her and her crew on the bus, which was a first for me. I've never ridden on a bus or slept in a bunk on a bus, so I was very excited about that. And then we came back to LA and played the Troubadour. I played one of the nights. She did two sold-out shows there. It was super fun. So the show that I played with her on Friday, I think, I actually had to go to another show after that. So I loaded everything out into the alleyway with my friend Tyson. And we had that classic situation of when you have gear outside on the pavement and there's always weird fluid, water, pee. I have no idea running towards you and you're kind of moving your cases. You're like, "Ah, don't get on it. So we did that put all the stuff in the car I went to another show and then I got to return and come see her play again on Saturday which was great because I had seen Lauren play as churches at the Hollywood Bowl with Grace Jones and that was crazy but it was really something to see her do her thing especially of all new material in a more intimate venue it was amazing so I just realized again that she's a darn pro she's a pro so (laughs) i hope you guys enjoy my conversation with lauren we we talk about many different things and we get around to talking about how she wrote the first song she released called are you awake but please enjoy our conversation and thank you so much for listening Thank you for doing this. This is really exciting. I remember talking to you about it at your, I just forgot what the name is, Eurozone? Euro Euro, Eurovision. Eurovision, (laughs) yes. You were very, very patient and uh, incredibly accommodating to all the British people that wanted you to watch Eurovision. But you were like, what in the fresh fuck is this, guys? What's going on? (laughs) I liked it. I I think I sort of lost it when I fell asleep during. Mm, I mean, it was long. It was like... A six-hour experience or something. Yeah, and then I woke up and it was still happening, and I think that disturbed me slightly, but I did I did really like it. It's probably one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is a very important cultural touchstone of the European universe, and I like that you guys were open to experiencing it. But, yes, I feel like when we talked about solo music at that point, I was probably just panicking, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how do you, you seem, you don't seem, I mean, obviously I'm only seeing online stuff, but you don't seem to be panicking now. It seems really exciting. That's good. I mean, (laughs) uh, yes, I think, I guess, well, when did I start doing it? I started doing it February-ish last year. Um, Goodness, yeah. So there's been, yeah, and doing it between tours and kind of taking time off and going back and forth. So I think it feels strange that it's now a thing that will exist in the public consciousness because for a long time it was just me in my car going to and from different places and trying to figuring out what the world was that you were trying to build I feel was quite a big part of it I feel like there was a lot of like like with with the band we always we kind of have a blueprint of what we know the band is and what people think that the band is and Mm. I think that's really positive and helpful in a lot of ways but when you're doing something totally new I feel like it's great that there are no rules and there are no there are no laws of the the universe that you have to abide by but then you have to figure out there have to be some yeah you have to figure out what's it going to feel like what's it going to look like what's what's it going to be about and I think I'm glad I took a lot of time to do that yeah but now it feels strange that I'm like oh people might hear it oh dear (laughs) and I think doing two things at once was quite a lot there was definitely a point where churches was on that Coldplay tour and I'll say it's just too many things to be doing at once to be kind of starting to set 
this era up whilst that was still ongoing i think it was quite a lot so yeah, yeah. i think there's such a myth that i mean maybe it's easy no shade really on on the whole machinery of press but i think it's very it's very convenient to say that as an artist you are working on something on tour because it immediately gives people a idea of a location that you're working at or like a vibe mm. but i think in reality i mean personally with me like there's no creative stuff that's actually percolating on tour like maybe what I'm doing is is I'm experiencing things that I'll write about later but I definitely I couldn't imagine like trying to tie together something like my debut solo thing on another tour it's just the no. mindset is not the mindset is like where is that quarter inch cable is like <laughs> yes I feel dumb. like you can do like press promo stuff and tour stuff at the same time I find it much harder to do creative stuff in promo mode if that makes sense no that makes um, sense and I think that like performance the performance aspect of the work is always kind of distinct from the writing aspect for me mm. and the same as what you're saying I feel like when I'm when I'm on tour I can write down like words here and there but not in any structured format um, yeah you can't glue so. anything together you can't come up with a concept you can't like I don't know yeah so I think I was lucky that it was like mix approval and things like that that we were doing. But even then, um, the demo that I sent you, we were final, kind of finalizing that arrangement remotely, which I think was quite, was harder than I thought that it would be. Um, yeah. Maybe just all, I don't even know if it was hard in terms of the pra practical element of it. It was more like the emotional stress of that. Like to me, I was like, oh, if we were in the same room, and we were on the same same time zone, and we had set up session to deal with this. Then it would be probably f like we would have figured out the wavelength in about half an hour or something. Yeah. But if you're doing it in a European time zone versus American time zone, and you're texting about it and you're sending ideas back and forth, I was like, yeah, that's romantic for like a day, and then no, <laughs> then <laughs> it just it's ceases confusing. to be yeah. after that. So yes, I'm glad that that's not the way the whole record has been made or needs to be made. Yeah. Because, I mean, you did, it seemed like you spent a lot of time doing sessions for it when you were just in L.A. having time off. and Yes, and I feel like I haven't reached my 10,000 hours of that yet, but uh, I'm, I'm close. Like, I think it was good to have had a lot of different experiences because yeah. even when we've done outside writing in the, the band, I think it's always been... Yeah, we already kind of know what we want, what we're looking for, and I haven't been... The, the sole or primary writer in any of those things. I was writing with two other people who were always really incredible and we knew how each other worked in that way. So I yeah. haven't been like the sole provider of the, this is what this is. Or even I haven't like come into a church session with a melody or with like the way that the band writes is always, we'll start with kind of music and instrumentation first and then a melody will get communally created and then the lyrics will go in. So I think which is, I think, a wonderful way of working when it, when it works, and I'm not trying to invalidate that at all. But it was interesting that, yeah, that was like my go-to way of trying to do it, was going into sessions, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, when I go into this in this format, people don't expect, they not even expect something of you, but the there's a different kind of space that you can occupy. And I guess it took time to kind of learn. I was like, oh, I can go in with a title or with a reference and be like, I know I have these these songs that feel like this, so I think I want something like this. And that yeah. was quite different. And I wonder also if it's just learned behavior <laughs> as women in the universe, but I think that it took me a minute to get used to that. Not, I don't know. No, it makes sense. I think sense. if you've learned to not be the loudest voice in the room and <laughs> having to do it. It's suddenly very jarring and strange. I'm like, oh, you want me to burp? No, we don't want me to suggest things, do you? Oh, dear. So, yeah, I think it was a good... And that's, like, my own stuff that I've taken on board. Nobody... I don't think people made me feel like that. It's just, like, learned experience. So I think this was an interesting... It's been an interesting year and a half of, like, learning and just figuring out... It's kind of like dating, to a degree but like you can kind of know <laughs> I don't know if you find that but you can kind of know within about 20 minutes if you're gonna write 
a good song or a shit song with somebody. I know yeah. that. And some people, you're like, oh yeah, I really like you, but it's just not. It's just not sparking for some reason. Yeah, that kind and, of vibration. I mean, yeah. it's it's interesting too because I. Yeah, I had a moment in time when I was doing a lot of sessions with lots of different people. And I remember I'd go into these sessions and try to sort of, I would I would force writing lyrics. Mm. And that's just not how I work. I have to write by myself. I have to think, I, ha- I can't have the like time pressure of having other people in a room in a studio. Um, but I remember I'd go into sessions and sometimes it would be good, but I often wouldn't want to use the, those lyrics from sessions because I just didn't feel like it was my organic process. And I, I remember I asked Caroline, Caroline Polachek, I asked her, I said, oh, I just, I did it. I think we were hanging out after a session. I was like, oh, I just did the session and I actually kind of liked the music, but because I liked the music so much, I said to the to the person I was doing with, I I don't want to write lyrics in the room. I don't want to do it. And, and then I wondered if that was a bad thing. And I was like, what do you think? And she's like, Oh, I do that all the time. She goes, I, Mm -hmm. sometimes I just go into the room to get a vibe. And I mean, it's just nice to be able to ask people and to not feel like you're crazy or doing something slightly wrong. Um, so I know what you mean by that. Yeah. I think I'm always conscious of what if I'm writing too slowly or what if, yeah, I'm very conscious of trying to meet the standard or meet the bar or not be holding the process back. And I think that that's been an interesting thing to push through because now I feel like some days, like the demo I sent you, I'm like, that was like two hours in an afternoon and the song was pretty much done. Yeah. Like not the final arrangement of it, but like the actual writing, like the lyrics and the melody did all come out basically as is and I did have a couple of those lines in a notebook prior but I didn't I had like the title idea and then the line about uh counting the babies in the diamond wedding rings like I had that a kind of different different version of that but then the rest of it it was just like a rainy afternoon in December and then that like the chords just really like tickled those ideas out I think but other days it's like some some births are much more difficult than others. I think sometimes you're like, oh yeah, I love the sense of that, but the lyrics not quite right, and you have to like rewrite the chorus like five times or something. Or yeah. there's a song on the record where what I think is going to stay in the quote unquote chorus is this kind of warped sample thing that isn't really a word, but we tried to write. We tried to write words on it and we were like, oh, maybe it should just be one word. Maybe it should be one word rewound. Maybe it should have all words. Maybe it should have only a few words, but repeated over and over and over. So there was like seven versions of it. And in the end, what is the best one that feels the best is just this weird sample sound. Wow, wow, wow. That, yeah, <laughs> that stayed there. But it had has something to it. And it is interesting because me and um, the guy, Matt Coma, that I've been working on, a lot of it with like we've tried we were like yes we should do the due diligence and make sure there isn't a better a better chorus for it or a chorus that makes more sense and then after like months of poking at it we were like I think I think it just it has to be what it wants to be rather than you trying to make it into something that academically probably is quote-unquote more pop or better pop or something yeah so no it's weird it's 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 the hardest thing and it's also the best thing to be confident and to have that little feeling inside you you know hearing a weird sample thing that you wouldn't on paper you would technically wouldn't gravitate towards maybe writing you would say I'd need to have words that fit and like just the tickle of that being okay and and actually like committing to that is a is a really good feeling and I think yeah I, I guess it I don't know I guess it's just something that you get more used to over time getting to that place quicker or or just being okay and not being worried and do you know what I mean yeah not being well, worried about been it in bands before you started doing like making music that you're making now did you find now I'm like interviewing you back but <laughs> did you find that like I can't tell when I've talked to some people about it they were like it was so amazing inspiring and freeing immediately and I was like this is what's been missing from my life how amazing and then I speak to other people who are like, oh, my God, it was incredibly overwhelming and I had no idea what to, to do. To go so solo. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how you feel about it. 
I felt immediate relief, but I mean, it was complicated because I was writing the songs and bringing them to the band. Mm. So I wasn't writing with the other people in a collaborative way. It was all my thing. So I just felt like I didn't have to hide anymore. So I felt relief and I just kind of felt like a return to this thing I'd been doing for a while. Cause when I was younger, before my band, I, I was solo, but I could understand it would be tricky, but with churches, you would write, I feel like the lyrics, that's like your mind. I can't imagine. I mean, cause some of them to me, it's funny. I was listening to the songs driving yesterday and like, they feel very uh, feminine or something in a way. I hear, and I hear you. I, I, I don't necessarily hear like, good dude <laughs> collab. Well, and I guess that's what the nice thing. About <laughs> with the, the lyrics. Yes. Well, the nice thing about the band has been, I guess on the first album, there were some songs that I didn't write any of the lyrics on. And there were mm. some that were half and half and some that were just me. And after the second record onwards, I took over most of the lyrics. And I think because I had written lyrics in basically everything I'd ever been in. So it felt weird to me to give up. And I don't think I was even conscious of it at the time, but it, it felt, now I can look back and I'm like, oh yeah, that felt like if you didn't do that, it would be giving up of something that you would love to do, but that like you love doing, but some, like giving up of that power to a degree. Because I think that when you are like the literal voice piece, the mouthpiece of a band, people assume that what you are saying is yours. And obviously there are exceptions like Dave Gann and Depeche Mode, and obviously that works very well. But for me, I think... I always kind of was like, mm, if people are good, I just want, like, that's what I gravitate towards most in music anyway, is the words. And I don't know, maybe there was a tiny subconscious part of me that believed <laughs> believed in myself enough to be like, oh, no, no, you should do that. Um, and I think that's always been a nice balance in the band is that, like, the point of view oftentimes feels very female. And then a lot of the arrangements are more androgynous. And, yeah, I think that balance has always been important. But... Yeah, even, like, I've only ever been in bands since I was, like, 15. I've never, and I was never like you. I was never able to, like, bring a song. Like, I would have, like, here's a chorus idea in, like, my high school university band, but most of the time it would be, like, writing in a room with people. Um, so I think, and then there was always very defined roles within that, and I think in this era of my life, I mean, honestly, I was shit scared when I was, <laughs> when I started doing it, and I was like, oh, People think I should write the melody. Oh, uh, I mean, I thought we should write a song. Why does that imply that I should write the melody? And then I realized, I was like, oh, that's just because for a long time, that's not been how you would do things. Whereas the band before Churches, I would write the melodies in that. So yeah. it's just like you get into, and I think that that will be a good thing for me personally. It'll be a good thing for the band to, you know, you don't want to get too comfortable in what you're doing because then I feel like you, there's, there has to be a certain kind of good friction in what you, like you're creating. And if you if you know too much about, that sounds maybe sounds arrogant, but if you know too much about what you're doing, I think that then you're just going to make similar things again and again. So yeah, there was definitely a lot of uh, crying in the car park after, on the way to a session. I was like, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And then I would like go have a nice afternoon, write a thing I liked. I'm like, oh, that was fine. I don't know why I made that so weird. <laughs> but yeah. yes, definitely a, a learning curve creatively and emotionally, I would say. It's funny because I guess we should talk about the demo. Um, but the when you sent it to me, it's A-Y-A. So I... You were like, put, huh? I am? <laughs> yeah, I thought... And then I was reading the lyrics and I mean, this is obviously me inserting myself, which means you did a good job because I think it's an important thing to be able to write lyrics where people insert themselves into it. And maybe this also happens to be the content of the song, but... Um, yeah, I read it as like a song to some uh, a girlfriend or something named Aya or just a friend ah. named Aya. But then I realized it's Are You Awake? I mean, but there could be two layers. We yeah. could pretend that I was operating on the two levels at once. Oh, God. Okay. Here we go. Some things 
I was curious if you wanted to talk about your lyrics. It doesn't feel romantic, which I think is interesting because I think a lot of times people in general, but especially a lot of female artists, it seems like you have to write something romantic sometimes, or maybe that's what's uh, always in the spotlight sometimes. Whether or not the song's actually about that, it's more like I'm talking about the way that people metabolize songs. It's often you know, romantic love. And I wanted to just ask you a little bit what that song is about and what you were trying to do when you wrote it. Ooh. Well, I don't know. I guess I like that. I've only played it to a few people. When we're recording this, only a few people have heard this. I guess when the song, the podcast comes out, hopefully, <laughs> so more people will have heard the song. I hope, I pray. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Even like the handful of people that have heard it at this point, I would say it's pretty 50-50 in terms of what people think the point of view of it is. Like, I would say half feel how you feel, which is like it's more written to a friend. And then the other half are like, oh, what a sad romance song. And I'm like, oh. But um, from my perspective, I definitely wrote it as like the 
a homesickness missing missing home thing because it mm. was December 2022 and I haven't really been home that much in the last couple of years just because of everything that had gone on in life and then the band was pretty busy and I think it felt like we were in a kind of transitional state and I didn't really know you know what what are we going to write about next are we going to make another album what are we going to do and I think I really wanted I wanted to go home for Christmas I went to see my friends and family and I think I was just conscious that I miss a lot of stuff because I live so far away from everybody and 10 years ago maybe that didn't concern me as much because I was more self-absorbed or busier or I don't know um but I think as time passes and as I get older and you're like oh going away for six months to be on tour translates differently than it used to now you go back and you're like oh I'm conscious of time passing in different ways. And those markers are, you know, people people aging and people getting married and people having babies. And I know that there's a reason why I'm missing a lot of those things. But then sometimes in the deep, dark hours, uh, it's quite lonely being in a completely different time zone from 90% of your loved ones. And then in those moments, I think about it. And I'm like, I'm missing all these things in everybody's lives and there's things that I'm not doing in my life because I want to be a musician. I want to be in a band. And then sometimes that feels incredibly, like, frivolous and selfish. And not oftentimes, but at those times of an evening when I'm like, oh, man, I just really miss everybody, you know? Yeah. And it was a session I did with uh, Tobias Jesso Jr., who's obviously amazing and I love so much of his work. Um, he did write it in a key that now I'm trying to learn it on piano. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Tobias. He can, pl- he can play piano wonderfully, so obviously it's not a problem for him, but for me it's a, <laughs> a little bit tricky. Yeah, so we started the song and then um, I finished the arrangement and it was produced by uh, Matthew Coma, who I've been working on a bunch of other things with. So he took our voice memo and kind of translated it into the final version of the song. So it was nice to, I don't know, it was nice that the actual origin day of the song was just just in this nice small studio room in Tobias's house on a rainy afternoon. And it, I was like, I've never met, had never met him before at that point. Didn't know, we didn't know anything about each other. And it, it was quite weird that within like two and a bit hours, I had written one of the probably more emotional, vulnerable tunes that I've written in my life. So I don't know, there's something about that man. He just conjured, he conjured a sense of chill and safety, I guess. And the fact that he is not from, he's not from the States originally and lives far away from a lot. I was like, yes, we have things in common here. We can talk about just being a bit lonely on a Tuesday afternoon or whatever it was. You felt comfortable enough to actually perform on the level that you wanted to perform your craft, right? Well, and I always think that at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a pop bitch. I'm a melodies, melodies bitch. Like, I don't, when I think about what I listen to in songs, I'm not very technical at all. I don't know very much about any of that. I don't perceive a huge amount of that, probably. So that's why it's good for me to align myself with allies who know how to do those parts of it. But I think for me, it's always, what does the melody make you feel and what do the lyrics make you feel? And I can listen to a song on the radio that is technically 90% a perfect pop song and if there's a lyric that really bothers me then I can't handle it and I can listen to a song that's recorded horrendously with horrendous playing but if it's got like if it's got a lyric or a a story that connects with me I would take that all day over something that's technically nicely produced so maybe that's my own too much bright eyes too much bright eyes in the younger (laughs) years maybe I don't know but uh, yeah, and it's nice. There's just certain things, and I'm sure that I don't think this is an unkind thing to say because I'm sure that the guys feel like that about things in their in their lives too. There's just certain things that I don't think I would write as part of the band, um, and I think there's things that they wouldn't bring to the table for the band. And it felt like for a long time I didn't want to do anything outside the band, um, and then I kind of did, but I didn't know how that would play out because there's always such a narrative around especially female singers doing things outside of their main project. I feel like there's always a lot of eyebrow raising and 
I don't know, implied baggage with that. Yeah. And yeah, but to me also, I think it's just, there is, you create differently when you create with just your point of view in mind, um, as opposed to communally creating in a project. So I think it was, I don't know, I feel, it felt like it was time to do it. If I had enough of these ideas and concepts kind of shored up that I knew wouldn't work in the band. I was like, maybe it's time. Otherwise, we're all going to be dead eventually and they're just going to be in a notebook that nobody's no. ever going to find. So, yeah, yeah, no, you got to take your space. And it's really hard. I mean, I, I felt I started doing a band because I felt like I couldn't do stuff by myself. I didn't think people were receptive to it. I felt like I needed dudes behind me to support me. And obviously your thing is very different, but I just do think that the environment, especially... I mean, you started before me, I'm sure, but like, especially when we were both playing, actually, I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years, which is really weird, but you were, you were a a, a child, basically, you were a tiny child, but yeah, like, I don't know. I just felt that the environment then was, was slightly less, I mean, we didn't have as many cool rock ladies out there, Mm -hmm. you know, it just wasn't as much of a thing. And I feel too, that now genres have been blended a little bit more and that the distinctions are a little bit less harsh uh, in terms of, of genre. What I'm saying is it's a good thing <laughs> to just break out of that and, and you know, just stay flexible and, and not be pinned down by anything. There's this great Laurie Anderson clip. I think it's her speaking at, like, the Louisiana Museum or something. I'm going to butcher it and I'm going to paraphrase it, but she's basically just saying, like, don't ever let anyone define you and don't let them tell you what you are, basically, in terms of you know, always kind of be moving around and dancing around that and, and just be flexible with your creativity. And so you can always express yourself, you know, this is a very big paraphrase, but I, I do think that that applies to this. And it's like what you're saying, you, you just want to explore different things because you don't want to always just be that person that comes in the room and, you know, does the lyrics and, you know, stays in that lane. Like you want to be able to do a bunch of different things. And I think that's cool. And mm. And I love definitely that not mean I love that lane, definitely not mean no no of course you love <laughs> of course you love that lane you've like but i also you look know. at the other lane and i'm like oh it'd be fun i wonder if i mm. and i think i don't know as with anything in life like when you're in a band i'm like there's loads of things that you all like and you agree on and that's probably the the space that you will create in but there's loads of things that i like that those guys really fucking don't nor should they so i feel like the time to no, come and celebrate perfect. and explore those things is is now and you can enjoy enjoy those things. But it's interesting that like even like people who know know the band pretty well or like have seen have seen us so many times or listened to the records, I feel like it is really it seems really split when I talk to people that they either assume because I'm the singer that I've written all the melodies and I've done done all of that, which is not the case, or they seem to there seems to be this kind of oh she doesn't really do that much, she just writes the lyrics, which I think I used to mutter to myself in moments of lack of self-belief. And then I think about it and I'm like, actually the lyrics are a pretty big part of a song. <laughs> lyrics are huge. Of a, of a story. So, and I don't know, it doesn't, uh, doesn't bother me hugely, but like, it's just interesting to experience that flip-flop narrative over the course of time. It's either, she probably does everything because you would assume that the person in that position in the band does everything, or she probably does nothing. So I guess in this new, I'm like, yeah, it's good. I think it's been good for me to prove to myself regardless of what else happens, to prove to myself that I'm like, you can, you can, I can. <laughs> Which has been a journey to get to the bit where I'm like, oh, I can, oh, okay. So yes, internalized a lot of uh, uh, external voices that maybe didn't need to be internalized, but that's Don't fine. I feel it. like we're all at that stage in life where you're just unthreading those things, pull those, pull those problems out and see what happens. You know what? Fuck them. I always, I always feel like at the end of the day, I'm ready to let it all be rubble, which so is more, not good. You're more badass than me, Alaska. It's, you. <laughs> He's got no, more. it's because, but you know, it's honestly because I think too, I, I didn't have that thing where, I mean, I, I'm not a hundred percent clear on church's history, but it sounded like you guys did these demos that kind of blew up online and it was sort of, it's not like you anticipated it in any way necessarily, right? Am I no, correct? Like, and I think at that point, for me, I was so young when that was happening. I was like 23 when the band started. 23? 
Yeah. And 24, 25, when the first record came out. And because I can basically trace the thread of why, I hate the phrase imposter complex, but why that is so, is slash was so strong, because I didn't write the lyrics on maybe half of that first album. And I didn't feel like I was co-sharing a driving seat. And so when that's what you were successful for, I think it is easy. It was easy for me to be like, oh, but I didn't really do that. And then that, that the way people talk to me, it doesn't really seem like they think I do that much. So that makes sense. And then I technically didn't write lyrics on that one. I didn't write on that one. And I would discount all the things I had done because it, I don't know, I think it was a formative time in a younger brain. And it's been interesting to try and unpack that. Like 10, yeah. 10 years after the first record, 12 years after the band started, I'm like, oh yeah, I have definitely done my 10,000 hours. I definitely feel like I am good at certain things and I love to do certain things. But it took me a long time to not just be like, oh, well, I mean, I'm in the band. They don't like me. They don't really like what I am saying. I wrote lyrics on top of this thing that was really great, which is true. But then two things can be true at once. The thing can be really great and then you can have helped to make it great. That's allowed, <laughs> I think. The soul in your voice and your lyrics are a huge part of churches and we can just like leave it at that. So I, I'm going to, I'm shaking my finger at you. I'm just like, fucking drive around here and give let me it, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let it be rubble. I, I've just never had major success in anything. So I've had a lot of blow ups with shitty dude producers and, and there you are, know, there are a few. Yeah. In my old band and everything. I've, I think I've had it be rubble many times. And so I'm just whatever, because it's, you know, I haven't had like a huge following and I haven't, and I haven't had that. I've just really only had myself and my little thing I've cultivated. So I'm like, fuck it. Like if we gotta, if we gotta, you know, get really crazy with this, it's okay. It'll shake out and I'll just pick up the pieces. And Well, and I think that's a great way to create though, because as soon as you get precious or fearful of whatever you're fearful of, I don't, in my experience, it's really hard to make anything good when you're afraid whether that's of a situation of failure of a person whatever it is I'm like you can't write anything me personally I cannot write anything good when there's like a foot on my neck you know like yeah. it doesn't or it feels like that so I feel like the way you're describing it is that's very f free and I don't know pro I don't know you're like I will do whatever I have to do for the for the quote unquote work, As <laughs> it's if I messy had been though. To a fancy university, I would say for the work, darling. Yeah, it's messy, and I have a temper, but I think uh, like returning to "Are You Awake" or "Aya," as I like to call it. So okay, so the <laughs> U is the U is just home, which is Glasgow, right, or outside yes, of Glasgow? I think, okay. Um, I had a kind of specific friend from home that I had in mind when I was writing it. There we go. That's what I was looking just, for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just somebody. Yeah. And basically around 4 p.m. California time every day, the texts end because everybody in the UK has gone to bed. So, and I don't know, I, maybe I have my weirder thoughts post 5 p.m. when there's no one here around to talk to them. Or, yeah, like I can't, yeah, just the disconnect. Even if it's not, you need support on something, it's just the disconnect of not being able to just, be like, hey, let's go get a drink or let's go to this place. Or it has to, like with if mm, from like 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. I'm on like a work day of being able to talk to friends and family back home and then it stops. So I think, yeah, sometimes that's fine. And then other times, well, not fine, but other times it feels more, it feels a bit heavier, sort of. And I do get that fear that I'm like, what if one day I wake up and I regret a bunch of the decisions I made and I don't know, prioritize things over other things. And I don't feel, in the moment, I doesn't feel like I'm doing any of that. Like I feel good about my choices and I'm not conflicted about a lot of those things, but that's just how the brain works at certain yeah. times of, of the day, of the year. That's the witching hour. I'm just like, hmm. I could sense that the lyrics were really, are probably going to be a really big part of this project because I... I I just felt like this; these were great lyrics to me and it really made me think of something. And I love when you say, I, I typed it all down on my computer. I miss the streetlights and the smoke. It happens sometimes now. You know, it's just simple, but it's very evocative. So 
When you are writing lyrics, do you have any kind of ritual? Or if you get writer's block, do you have a way of kind of unsticking yourself from that? Hmm. Um, well, I think the process in this time period has been quite different than the, the band time period. Um, for this, like, it was the first time I've ever written most... Other than one time in churches, a song called Final Girl, we had the title first and then I wrote backwards. But mm. all the rest of the time, it's it's always kind of trying to find a lyric that fits in with a chorus melody, mostly, and then work backwards from that. Whereas on this, I think a lot of them started as title ideas and then worked lyrics from that. And I'll kind of write down words and phrases as I think of them in my phone notes or in a notebook and then work through things like that. But... I think, in a way, not that it was easier to come up with ideas, but because there's such a blank slate, I think that it was easier to kind of start start ideas. And a lot of the times it would be like a rhythm like this or a, from a title. And I think that that... Because when I think about how do I write and what do I connect with it is words, melodies, and like rhythms, because the only other instrument I played in life is drums. And I think that... Wow. To me, I'm like, that's something I have learned a lot about in the from the guys in churches is just the, how rhythm and melody intersect. And I feel, and maybe, I don't know, it feels quite primal and quite lyrics. I feel, that rhythms, I feel, can feel very emotional or very, they can feel aggressive, they can feel sensual, they can feel any number of ways. And I think that when I think about a song, I always think about, words first probably and then a rhythm and then how a melody fits into that rhythm probably mm. that's so unusual know. that you come up with a title I guess it's like the the line that you come up with that really it's one of those lines that you hear in the day and you put it down in your in your notes it either comes to you or you hear it and then you're like oh this could be a good song but it's funny because I never usually tie that to this idea of a title so it's so interesting to hear that you'll sometimes work from a title and well, I think especially for the last couple of Churches albums and for this era of my own stuff, I think I do a lot of, like, mood boarding and, like, thinking about the visual part of that. And if I have a word or a phrase that feels evocative or could be very visual to me, then I'll make a little mood board for it. And mm. I think that's oftentimes how I can think if a title is it's good. And sometimes it'll be, like, quite a commonplace phrase and then you could kind of take that and give it a little twist or something yeah and that's kind of one of my favorite ones to do is if you can find something that feels familiar but the meaning of it will be slightly different when put in the context that you put in she said cryptically about songs that nobody's heard but no that makes I mean I see that with this this song because are you awake you know it's mostly just what I say to my boyfriend in the middle of the night when I'm worried. Are you awake? No, you're not. Never is. <laughs> it feels like it could be more like romantic in a way. Are you awake? And It's the emotional you up of pop yeah, songs. That's, that's what I'm saying, you up, but it's not. And you, you twist that. And I also think you making it both about a specific person, but also about like kind of the essence of, of your hometown is a twist on it as well because, you know. You've kind of personified a place a little bit through the through a person that is a real person. Like it's all it's all very interesting. I think that's a twist. So I think that is definitely what makes a good song. I think I'm trying to ask, do you set out to do narrative songs ever or because it does seem something this... that you like it seems to be something you like and you want in music. Mm. I think the only the thing that bugs me the most about pop writing is the the throwaway nature of some of the the lyrics. I think that's always the thing that gets me really stressed out because something like when a chorus is just I'm like you can have a big bold line that is a statement that is quite vague, but then for me all the rest of it needs to be specific and it needs to be decorating the house and putting in the furniture and doing those things. Um, but yeah, I hate a big bland word painty doesn't mean much section yeah. of a song and I think I don't know it felt um it felt easier or more comfortable or more appropriate to write different kinds of narratives when it's just me I think in the band even though I see I, I am the 
narrator I st it still is you know we all need to we all need to like it and I don't want I would hate for those guys to stand up there and have lyrics that they didn't they absolutely hated you know in the no, same way that sense. they wouldn't want that for me and so even though I am like I am the the person delivering this information and it is coming from my specific perspective it still has to be I don't know I still think it needs to be like approved of by everybody and everybody should enjoy it enough that they they're comfortable whereas in this I kind of feel like there was more scope to be like okay maybe on this kind of song it can be something like this and on this kind of song like when I look at the record it kind of feels like two to three perspectives or not characters because they're all me but like styles of writing kind of emerged mm. and I think that that was quite fun to be like oh this is kind of one of those ones and then I wrote, I was a bit in my notebook I found the other day where I went through and were like song themes and then kind of grouped them into those categories. And I was like, huh, that's interesting because I didn't set out to do that. And then after a point I was like, oh, there's like two to three kind of distinct lanes here. And I thought that was an interesting psychological like, study on myself. <laughs> okay, okay. Wait, so I want to ask you, can you elaborate more on the different lanes? Because I think that's super interesting because I sometimes try. I think I'm getting better at it, but I think I have consciously been trying to pursue that now. But in my past, I wasn't as aware that I was doing that. But it's interesting that that moment yes. clicks and you're like, I want to write these kind of songs and I want to have these kind of songs. So, yeah, yeah, I think when I look at the, there's definitely stuff that's more raw or vulnerable than I would allow myself to be in a band context, which is the more kind of heart-driven, like guts on the table type stuff. And then there's things, I think in churches I've kind of toyed with the idea of like, you write these, hey, fuck you songs, but there's always like a limit to them kind of. Or mm. when I was tr thinking about those kinds of songs in this context, it felt more fun to me to embody that character more fully and have that be a bit more theatrical and have it, yeah. More specific, you mean, maybe? Yeah, kind of. And then just not be unafraid of the, oh, what, I don't know. I think being framed as an angry woman within a, project of men is harder than feels harder to me than me standing alone feeling like an angry woman if I see <laughs> I see I see and then I'm like I think there's like a character and a parody of not a parody but like especially having done this for a certain amount of time I think people put a project a lot onto you and I like the idea of being able to live within those projections and t take it to a place that feels more more theatrical lyrically and in the performance and just lean into the lean into the the heady not the headiness the in your headiness of it sort of but I'd mean it in the purest and kind of most positive sense but like kind of indulging in your emotional whims in a way where you don't feel like you need to appease and make it applicable to other people in your project which is understandable why you would you know, sometimes check yourself in the past and be like, oh, I'm going to make this a bit more, yes. you know, palatable with, <laughs> yeah, I you mean, don't. Like, like when I was, I, I guess over the last year or so, I've been watching a lot more. I've never, other than a handful of the classics, I haven't really identified as a person that loved musicals necessarily. But mm. the ones that I did always love were things like Cabaret or Chicago. And when I think about, obviously there's a, an aesthetic and certain stories being told through those films. But when you think about like the performance scenes, like the performance scenes in Chicago, there's only really one or two that are actually real, I think. Like all <laughs> Roxy's performances, I think, are in her head. I was so I've scared of it. it. I have no idea. Oh. It was the first time. <laughs> I remember when I saw it when I was younger, it was the first time I saw people talking about sex. This is so dumb. Oh, this it was, like such it a was nerd. very sexy. It was very sexy. And they were murdering. Yeah. I love that though, Elsa. I love it. It was like sex and murder. These women like... are like messy as fuck and they're terrifying. And But they're also, I don't know, they're like, they're mothers, they're partners. They, they, and the, the anger... They were angry for a reason. Doesn't mean that it was correct that they did all the <laughs> killing of these guys. But I always liked that 
like in Ro- like in Roxy's mind. Like I think that's how I've always read it. Anyway, is that all? Most of her performance <laughs> scenes are like her daydreaming about something, and in your daydream, you can be this like menacing but killer, theatrical, yeah. sensual, like flamboyant showgirl. And I think that something like that feels fun to me because, like, I'm lucky enough that I do get to for an hour or ninety minutes do that. Not the murdering, the the performance. No, and you I think play that pretend, it's kind of fun. yeah, yeah. And I've never really, I didn't ever really feel like a natural performer when we started any band I've been in. But churches was just like such a different lane to what I had been in. Like I'd been a keyboard player in a kind of mm. post rock indie band. Like I didn't know what I was doing, and I think, like to me, I think that's something I thought about a lot when I was making this record. Was how can you kind of feel like you've taken more ownership of things that felt foreign to you at a certain point and I don't know I feel like it'll be quote-unquote healing regardless of if anybody likes it or not is your album called sex and murder then Lauren Um, (laughs) it could could be it doesn't have a title at this point that's what I'm saying like put that in murderous murderous wenches from the cell block I don't know I like I like that yeah I like that um, okay, so I know we're running out of time, but I have, I think, two other questions I thought would be kind of interesting. So, speaking about, um, this is my, sorry, my handwriting's so bad I can't even read my own handwriting. <laughs> it's good creative handwriting, there you go. Okay, so speaking of this character thing, how, how often do you think you're crafting a character for yourself in these songs? Like, are, are there a lot of songs where you're crafting a character or are a lot of the songs very much tied to directly who you are? Because oftentimes I feel like creating a character is almost like a protection measure sometimes, mm-hmm. as well as it is a creative exploration tool. But both things are, are super cool, but it's almost like so much bravery when you connect it just like like you plug in directly to yourself just and to the main yeah thing. um i think when the lyrics start they're always coming from a purely personal point of view and then it will be like a certain piece of imagery will enter will enter the, the information and then i'm like oh maybe that can be one of these ones that's more and that's when chicago McKinley. comes in okay you know what I mean? yeah like, and yeah. then some of the other ones you're like no this needs to stay in the kind of the more, I don't know, not smaller, but when I think about things that I love that have inspired the record, I'm like, there's as much Liz Fair or Fiona Apple or Tori Amos. Obviously, they're all much better than me, so nobody no, knew that at me. I'm not saying no. I'm as good as Fiona Apple. But, like, as much of that as there is, like, uh, Grace <laughs> Jones or Annie Lennox or any yeah. of those performers. And I think, like, the marrying of those two universes has been quite fun. But I'll always, like, start writing and then figure out where that might live. I mean, Grace Jones, because I saw her, obviously, you guys opened for her. I went to that oh, show. Yeah. That blew me away. She was absolutely, I think, I don't yeah. know, she's like a goddess or something. She's nuts. And also her costume changes. I was just completely floored by that whole vibe. Yeah. It was and amazing. And I think, because I come, come from like indie rock band universe, I think those kinds of things are not anything that was ever celebrated in no. any project I was in growing up and like to me, I don't, I don't understand why that. Like, well, like misogyny, basically, is why those things aren't celebrated. But even on that last Church's album, doing quick changes in the shows, there's nothing more confusing to in-house crews in indie venues than you, as I having to explain that. And this is the quick change tent, and most of those venues, I'm like, yeah, I don't think there probably has been a costume change in this building, probably. And yeah. it's like, to me, even doing something like that felt more like I was allowing myself and my interests to be part of the universe of the band. Because I love a big, ridiculous pop show. I don't see how anybody could look at someone like Grace Jones and think it's anything other than, like, amazing performance art. It is. And, like, yeah. I say, like, yeah, the idea of what is good in indie music is framed through a very, very specific lens. And, I mean, she was amazing. I don't know how she was doing... <laughs> She was like hula hooping through a whole song. And no, she was. Doing? How can you? She, the core she must have, and yeah, it was just such an amazing. And to see people watch, like watching people watch that show, it was really fun because I think, like the attention to detail she has in putting together that show, 
and it is about creating emotion and getting across the emotion of a song and yeah I love it and I was like how can I love all this and love indie bands and indie rock and I'm like okay just gotta hybridize hybridize the two things yeah no it's hard that is so annoying I do find that sometimes though that confusion of of stuff like that is willful like it's a willful confusion and it's irritating it's like no I need I do need a mirror to like put on makeup if I want to or like look at my outfit yeah you can tell who designed most green rooms in the universe (laughs) because just simple things that you're like having to ask for a mirror when you get to a venue or there not being any there's like one light and it's not near the mirror or there's a plug but the mirror is nailed to the wall but the plug is at the other end of the room and things like that and I'm like oh this is not a space for people who do different kinds of performance this is yeah. a space for a very predominantly s- three yeah. dudes in bands which obviously I love I love loads of bands with loads of three dudes in them I'm like in I'm not because I feel like whenever I say that people are like oh but she she has benefited from that universe, and I definitely have, and I don't mean it as a blanket slagging of the <laughs> slagging of the community, but it is just true that uh, my experience in music and bands and touring has always been figuring out how to switch into that universe and be how do I how do I get my my work done within this universe? How do I live within this universe? But nobody will ever switch into your universe. Yeah, until you hang out with the pop people in there. Then I'm always like, oh, shit, I should be actually like paying attention to this stuff. You know, hearing about the amount of tights that um, a lot of the pop stars wear. That's, oh, yeah. That was a thing that one of my friends told me. And I was like, that's amazing. And then I started doing it. I was like, yeah, this does work. It's changed your life. But then wouldn't it be nice to have had those kinds of conversations or had access to those conversations at an earlier point in your existence? <laughs> I think that would be quite nice. Yeah. Like even things like. I only figured, I figured out, I was, we were on the bus watching Love Island, which is not my favorite thing, but I watched it for one summer to try to be a part of the gang. And I was looking at the, the girls on the show wearing like these little belts for their microphones. And I was like, oh, oh you could do that for a show. To have underneath my outfit, I could just have a little bit. And then that's insane to me because I was like 34 or 35. I've been in band since I was 14. And nobody, literally never spoken to anybody about, how how do you rig your mic pack to your outfit? Because the guys in the band will always put it on the back of their jeans. So there's nobody, I've always been like, oh, it falls down if I don't. And then if I wear these shorts though, then the seam shows through the thing, where do I? So strange things like that. I'm like, oh yeah, if you had been around more people who had more of a shared experience, then you would have learned. <laughs> you would have, or you could have shared ideas. And that's, yeah. But happy it's now hard. if I meet anybody, I'm like, guys, have you heard of these little belts? You can get them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really hard. I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard because I obviously came up in a kind of grungy vibe and it's 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 hard. You don't know where you stand and you kind of don't even want to think about that stuff so much because you just want to play music. Um, yes, you just want to so, get your head down and you don't yeah. want to be, I don't I never want to feel not part of it or not part of the gang or not what, so then, and I feel like you are made aware of how much you are not correct a lot of the time so then I don't even want to think about it that much I don't want to draw further attention to it for myself or to other people but you know there's just certain things where I'm like oh yeah there's just I don't know like ha- having a period on a tour bus that's a thing that you just have to figure out by yourself because nobody nobody's going to talk to you about that nobody's going to just things you know yeah. where, just things that you need to figure out that you're not like yeah I did a lot of like learning about how to be a woman on the road just learning that yeah. which is always is a bit distinct and separate and just things that are just different like yeah when I learned that, I was like all right I shouldn't really leave the venue during the day by myself so I'll stay in the venue like things like that that you just learn by doing and I'm like oh if I'd had other people to communicate with certain things about maybe that I would have learned those lessons faster if you know what I mean but yeah, you get there when you get there. I was a slow. You get there. Yeah, I was a slow lane. I think no. I think I think music in general is lonely, no matter who you are. But I do think it has, you know, indie stuff does make you feel lonely sometimes when you're mm. a girl. 
because it but then maybe it, it we feels like lonely. that because we all we write songs about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, and also you know it's interesting because like a, a space that you are completely in control of is your lyrics and is your songs. So it's cool that you're for this next record. It's kind of like you're taking your space and you're doing your thing and you're you're putting the mirror in the dressing room if you want it. You know. You're, See now, fool me, you're wearing fool me the belt. too many times. Yeah. I've got a little transportable one that uh, folds up and has lights on it. So there we go. Yeah, you you're prepared. I learned. <laughs> no, I th- I'm really excited. I I can't wait. I I hope I get to come see a show. And I I think it sounds. I think this song's beautiful, and I'm just really excited. And I. Do you have a favorite to close out the show? Do you have a favorite lyric on the upcoming record, or in even in your past? I mean, I kind of the point of the podcast is really to just talk about you as a writer in general and and how your skills develop over time so it'd be just interesting to hear your reflection and thoughts on those two things if you have a favorite thing or if you've worked towards something that's been a big part of it lyrically and just in terms of Um, writing yeah I think some of the stuff I'm most proud of is on this record but in terms of the church's universe, I think that Screen Violence, the fourth record, is definitely my proudest in terms of the consistency of the imagery um, and probably Asking for a Friend or Final Girl are mm. my favourites on that. Or maybe like Violent Delight. But like that was my first time really kind of similar to what we were talking about. Like The songs are definitely from a personal perspective, but they were dressed to fit inside this kind of horror universe and I think that writing that record definitely opened my brain a bit more and I think I definitely pushed myself to to be like "Mm." like there's some there's some songs that I've written where I've been like I think I did okay I don't think I did I did and if you know that you were like "Mm, it was okay or you feel like it was okay then that says I'm like okay well you should hold yourself to that standard then you should push yourself to make sure that you feel as good as you can about everything that you make. And Mm. I do think that the writing process on screen violence is what led me to this point. Um, I'm trying to think, what's my favourite lyric on this record? I'm like, hmm. Um, There's a a song, I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to say, but there's a song uh, that has the opening line of it is... um, I want to tra- I want to trace your geography and I'll obsess over you like you are the first. Uh, you're kind of oh this is my this is my favorite line. The following <laughs> line is uh, your kind of pride is my pornography. Um, and I think that that is my favorite one. That's so cool. Because I would never say the word pornography on a church's album, would I? <laughs> and that's why I'm like yes, you should go say pornography over here, and then come back. Yeah, it's your space to be a bit daring, and you I use think it. So, that's yeah. really cool. No, it's super cool. I know what you mean, though. You're at this point in your life where you're being very conscious about crafting and probably in your history. I mean, because I'm, I'm speaking from my perspective in my history, I sort of wrote things and I didn't really put them under that microscope. And as I get older, I do that. And I find that also very rewarding because everything's intentional and it's really yes. hard and you never feel like you actually kind of get to that perfect song but you just try and inch closer and closer to it and you yes. know that's the fun of it so and I think it is what yeah sometimes the best things that you've written are the things that came out really quickly and those are really great days they don't come around that often but when they do happen you're like oh wow and then I think holding for me I might hold those things up as the bar be like if this is like the standard that the band is capable of that you are capable of mm. then you should honor honor this song and make sure that you're not I don't know I just never want to feel even if nobody else perceives it like that I just never want to feel like I've phoned it in because at the end of the day I'm like well I get to I get get to do this and I get to sing this and I get to put my name on this and I want it to be as good as I feel it can be and then after that you can't control anything after that you know and I love yeah. the puzzle of it. I'm such a dork with the lyrics. I'm like, mm, there's one word that doesn't land quite right. I'm like, what is it? What is it? Like the puzzle of figuring that out. There's no greater feeling than when you've solved the puzzle of the one line that wouldn't work. It's just very enjoyable to me. Maybe that's very type A. But yes, when you fix the line and then everything feels like it falls into place, that is the most pleasurable lyric moment for me, I think. 
There we go. That's the end of the episode. I feel like I feel like that's what yeah. I wanted to hear.